0: Welcome back to Shred's Takes. So, I'm Mike Shredder back, you know, on a Saturday with my good buddy Cedar Sebastro. You guys might remember him when we did a po- earlier podcast debating LeBron versus Jordan. You know, he's a basketball player that, you know, is really good in high school and also, you know, those guys are looking to play college. Um, one of the more athletic players I've ever played against. So, you know, just talking about some NBA stuff, and I think it's good to have just a little bit of a fun discussion. So, Caesar, welcome back to the show, bud.
1: Hi, Mike. Thanks for
0: having me on. So let's uh, let's jump right into it. So, you watched Game Two, and what were in Game One of the Finals? What were some of your key takeaways for why the Lakers have? Won both games, in your opinion?
1: Um, uh, just a mix of talent and size. Um, it's just the Lakers just have such a size advantage. as showed in the rebound, especially the offensive rebounds. Um, they just can't bang with them under the hoop. There's nothing they can do. And in terms of losing Bam and Dragic, they don't have enough talent to match up with the Lakers at all, in my opinion. They don't have anyone to create for themselves other than Jimmy Butler. So it's definitely an issue.
0: Do you think that, by any ways, comes down to scheme too? I mean, I understand that Bam and Dragic are out, but do you think that Miami just isn't playing the right defensive schemes against a, a team like the Lakers? And with like guys like such as AD and LeBron, do you think they need to change up their schemes a little bit more defensively?
1: Yeah, I mean, they have to try something new. The whole zones. That's not that doesn't work. It's difficult to rebound out of zones. Um, yeah, they they got to try something new. Right now, it's not working for them.
0: Yeah, I I think one thing I was gonna piggyback on too is actually if you look at the statistics last night, cause I pulled them up. It's kind of crazy. So the Lakers shot fifty eight percent from the line, thirty four percent from three, and the Heat shot ninety one percent from the free throw line and forty percent from three. But the big difference, as you said, was 16 offensive rebounds to six. um Like that, that goes like goes back to zone. Because yeah, I mean, the one thing I was thinking, like, what they're trying to do is make the Lakers a perimeter team. But if you go to zone, you're lining LeBron to get in the middle. LeBron's too smart. So I don't know if you think that's also a thing that, like, you know, they just don't understand that LeBron is just like, like, is not Giannis. And like, if you wall him off, he's just too smart. I don't know what you think about that. I
1: think just in general. Zones don't work in the NBA. Players are too good. Too good of shooters. Like you said, they're smart. They know how to break down a zone. They get to the middle. Like someone like LeBron, he can do whatever he wants. He gets in the middle, like you were saying. He could dish it out to a wide-open shooter, pull up, drive. Too many options. There's too many holes in it. It doesn't work in the NBA. Do you think this series is over in four, or
0: do you think it could possibly go
1: five? It's four, especially, especially without um, – if Dragic and Bam don't return, that's four, no question, in my opinion. Where do you see a
0: guy? So I think that AD has emerged now as a top two or three player in the NBA. Now people are going to say that and say, oh, he's playing with LeBron. He's going to look good, right? But I think the, the combination of skill and size that he's de- you know, deploying on the court has caused so much problems for so many teams right now in the NBA. I don't know if you agree with that. I don't know if you're thinking that maybe I'm just doing a little bit of recency bias um, that basically just because he's playing well, I'm ranking him a little too high based on that.
1: Um, so let me know what you think about that opinion. That he's a top yeah, player. Um, I would put him in, in that whole one to four with him, Kawhi, KD if he's healthy, and LeBron. That's where I'd put him around there. Um, I, could, I could see him being put anywhere other than LeBron at one um the way he's playing is great i mean he's just such a mismatch you get someone too big on him he'll blow by you too small he'll just body you all game and he plays very well with lebron like you said he moves the ball when he needs to um he's he's a very smart player i love the way anthony davis plays
0: how do you feel that the role players from the Lakers have emerged, if anything, and gotten better over the playoffs? So, I'm going to give a quick take of mine, and then you can just like piggyback on it. So, I think my like guy, like Alex Caruso, has really improved a lot over the playoffs because if he wants to be the bubble, that guy could not make free throws, couldn't make a jump shot. And now, you know, he's, you know, feeling comfortable going to the rim. He's making threes last night. And I think that's just the LeBron effect to an extent. I think LeBron does give his teammates confidence. Yes. Um, I don't know if that's what you think that it is, like why the role players emerged at all. Um, I, I think that's just one reason the Lakers have become so dominant is like just because their role players are also just good enough to keep the other two guys just like not from having the defense just completely, you know, targeting them.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, going into the playoffs, my whole mindset was the Lakers were LeBron AD and they had the worst supporting cast out of like any team in the league. Um, but like you said, um, with Caruso and KCP playing well, I think you have to give a, contribute most of it to LeBron, giving him the confidence. You know, he attracts everybody, kicks it out, makes it much easier. But um, just I think when you're on a winning team and you're rolling, you play better. Your confidence goes up. Um, their chemistry is great. Um, yeah, I think they're they're playing great.
0: Do you How much credit do you give to Frank Vogel for the job he's done? Because for me, I personally – everyone loves Tyron Lue for winning a championship. I didn't feel like he was as instrumental in that team as, like, just LeBron telling the guys, like, how to do what they had to do, right? They had three stars in that Cavs team, you know, and, and I think that was a big reason why. But I think the defensive uh, success, you have oh, yeah. to credit to a guy like Frank Vogel because – but what this is the best defensive team. I Well, the Heat were really good. This is probably the best defensive team I've seen LeBron be on in his career. And I think that's partially Frank Vogel, don't you think?
1: Oh, I agree. I remember um, Vogel, when he coached the Pacers, they would always have very tough defensive teams. And that's a difference, um, like you're saying, with Ty Lue. I felt Ty Lue wasn't much of a coach. LeBron was the coach on that team, um, as opposed to now Vogel is the coach, and it shows. And you kind of want to compare that. Look at the Clippers, you know. They they have the same thing, a new team with all these good players and dif- different outcomes. I think you give a lot to the coach. Not all the coach, but a lot of it to the coach.
0: Yeah, no, that's actually a good pivot to the next uh, segment I wanted to get into quickly. So, as you know, Doc Rivers has been, <laughs> let's say, a, bit, a, a really chaotic kind of couple of days for him, right? Gets fired from the Clippers. Mutual decision, and then now he's the head coach of the 76ers. So I want to break it down, obviously, in like those two parts, right? Uh, the first thing is, like, what specifically did you see from him as a coach that he didn't do well enough, besides, let's say, the success, but like maybe from like an, a scheme standpoint to maybe get the Clippers to that success level? And, think- yeah, yeah. and then, two, you know, do you really believe he's like this great, great coach that everyone trumps him up to be in the media, or do you think he's just a good coach? Who happened to win a championship in Boston?
1: Um, so, sorry, was the first part of the question? It was. First was basically talking about schemes that he management. could have done better. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I mean, I think managing, I know it's not schemes, but managing their egos, he didn't do well. Like, have, at the end of the season, having players call each other out, I think that's ridiculous. Like, that can never happen. Um, and I, I, I think, definitely think he's a good coach, but I don't think he's that top tier bringing your team to the finals. I mean, with, when he was with the Celtics, I know they made it to the finals uh, a couple of years. Um, but um, I think they were such a talented team. That team was going to make it to the finals. You know, it doesn't matter who the coach was. Um, and then going over, like, when he was a coach with the Clippers, they they never got past the semi-conference finals, right? So, and they had some talent over there. Um, yeah, he he's a good coach, but he has a great winning percentage. But I don't know if he's a guy that's going to win you a championship.
0: Yeah, a point that I was going to bring up is he's – with the Clippers in his seven years, he was 27-32 and 32 in the playoffs. Frank Vogel oh, wow. won more postseason series than Doc Rivers has as the Clippers head coach in one season, um, which is and – and look, I I think that's a good pivot to the question. But, like, the one thing I was going to bring up before I get into 76ers is, like, the problem with Doc Rivers, I think, was was that he didn't adjust well to when the Nuggets packed the paint against Kawhi. He didn't really find ways to get Kawhi easier shots. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, I was, you know, maybe that's a superstars being stubborn. I mean, sometimes we've seen a case of that in the past. But even with, like, I mean, he's blown two 3-1 leads with the Clippers. Uh, I, I think that's, you know, a little unacceptable as a coach. You can't blow two 3-1 leads um, with the talent they've had, so. Um, I think that's it. There, I don't know if you if that's what you saw too. Just like the fact that, like, you know, you can't you can't blow those three-one leads. That is the reason like he just got kicked out too.
1: Yeah, that's you can't you can't be doing that, especially when your team is so much more talented than the opposition. That can never happen. I, I, yeah, I agree. I I put that a lot on the coach.
0: How do you feel? So. I was listening to you know some guys in ESPN yesterday. They think the Doc Rivers to Philly hire is gonna like maximize Joel Embiid's potential, maximize Ben Simmons potential by actually teaching him how to shoot. And you know, I found saw a funny quote on social media that they're saying if Doc Rivers were the shooting coach, DeAndre Jordan would have been able to shoot free throws. Um but my uh all jokes aside, I think he's, he's he is a good hire for them. I think he's better than Dan Tony. Um yeah. I'm not a Dan Tony fan. No, but the, the thing, I don't know if you agree with this at all, but this is the take I take away from it is that I'm not sure how much he can motivate a guy like Embiid. I think Embiid's pretty uncoachable. Like uncoachable. I think Simmons on the other hand, he can get the max, ma- maximum amount of talent out of Simmons. I think Simmons mm-hmm. is very coachable. Um, but I think that Embiid, like he, Embiid's always like out of shape for some reason. And, you know, I mean, maybe with Doc Rivers, he'll respect him and he'll get in shape, but um you know, because Embiid shouldn't be shooting, you know, seven threes a game. Embiid should be inside, dominating. Um, so I don't know how you feel about the Doc Rivers higher up for the Seventy Sixers, and that can actually get them to a championship with, you know, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, and uh, Joe Embiid is kind of that anchor three for them.
1: Um, I I feel that like he was the best option available. I'm like I said before, I'm not a DeAntoni fan. He's too offensive ori- offensive oriented. I thought the Rockets whole small ball just a big gimmick, never gonna win with that um and then this the team that they have now i don't i don't think they're a championship caliber I mean comparing those three versus some of the western um teams like the Lakers, Clippers, and even the nuggets i just i can't see it. in terms of talent i don't think they're there to beat them i could I could see them if they click maybe winning the east. That it's a possibility. Um, I, I still don't have them at the number one spot for the East, um, but I, I they're they're in the contention. If maybe they'll click, who knows? Might happen.
0: Do you think the bubble is a good reflection of how teams are going to play next season too? Because like my take on it is that it helps younger teams because you don't have all these fans yelling at you, and sometimes for a younger player that's tough to play through, and that's why I think. You- I think Jamal Murray's going to have a great year next year. I think this is a good year for him. But mm-hmm. I think for even just, like, a team such as, you know, um, the Celtics or the Heats, right, I think that really helped them maybe in that sense. I don't know if you agree with that, but that was something I noticed. I think that's something that the 76ers might have to their advantage next year is their
1: crowd in their home court. So, piggyback on those points. That was a lot of them, but you're, give me your yeah. opinion. Um, yeah, it's definitely a different game playing in front of – players versus not and I could see how for a young player having not having all the chattering fans at you you could definitely help and but it might not next year it won't help because then they're gonna have all the fans maybe not next year but whenever the fans come back um yeah it'll definitely be different it is a different um situation some players act different but I think when it comes down to it if you're if you're a really good player you can block that out um so I don't I don't. I don't think it'll affect people too much. Um, for maybe there will be a few select players that it might affect, but overall, I don't. I don't think it's gonna. We'll, we'll see a big difference in how teams perform or individual players based on that.
0: Gotcha. Um, so again, like my, my take, I just want to shift it. You know, shift that to the Eastern Conference a little bit for next year, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, you have Miami coming back, and they they're not going to lose really anyone, right? And this is a team that made the NBA Finals. You have the Boston coming back, and they looked really good. You have Toronto. You know, you have Brooklyn with KD and Kyrie, you know, assuming that KD is at least, like, worst case, you know, 85% of what he was, right? And you have the 76ers. In my opinion, if I had to say which team I think is going to come out of the East, um, if we were to say Brooklyn, I'm a little bit skeptical because it's going to all hinge on how good KD is coming back, right? My thing is, like, I, I would be fine to say Miami again because I think Miami's a tough team, right? I think they their system works. I think that they have, you know, the pieces to do it again because they're a team. Um, and I think from a, a talent standpoint, Brooklyn should clearly do it. But, again, it's all going to hinge on KD's health and if Kyrie actually, like, will, will be willing to share the ball with KD. I don't know if you feel the same way about that. Uh,
1: yeah, so I think um, when – I think Kyrie will – definitely share with KD just when you have someone that good and playing you kind of play differently when you're playing against um playing with people that good and um just the whole fact that I'm sure with choosing the team together they spoke about it you know they must be great friends um to decide to play on the same team I think that Kyrie will pass to KD I, I don't think there'll be a problem there but um I do have to say I think Miami most likely will win the east next year just because it's it's difficult um for a team to just add in a player like kd and win like i think they'll they'll win games but i don't know if they'll make it to the finals because of that this chemistry things like that it's it's difficult to do and i know those nets players other than kyrie and kd they've been playing together for, for a couple seasons they've got the squad going so it might be difficult um, that's why I, th- I think Miami is going to win I think Miami has potential to be even better next year the team's going to be the same but they have young players that like bam I think Tyler Hero is going to come out with a really good season next year I think they'll have more potential so
0: yeah I was going to wanted to get your thoughts on this before we get into our next segment Um, but the Steve Nash hire right so I actually think it's a really good hire, um, and the reason I think that is because of his basketball knowledge and his connection with players such as KD and Kyrie. I think mm-hmm. that you know he met you know obviously was a mentor for KD and Golden State as a player consultant coach. Um, you know he trained him every day and that kind of stuff. Um, and with Kyrie, uh, he's his godfather, I believe. I saw that in a report, so I think that was a good hire. I don't know if you feel the same way. I don't know if you're saying like n- maybe that wasn't the right way to go. That wasn't the right direction for the Brooklyn Nets, but. Um, you know just give me a quick take of what you think about the seed Uh, I
1: think it's a it's a fine hire i mean it's they needed a new coach and he definitely has he has his iq is off the charts the way he plays um, and like you said, I didn't know that prior to you telling me recently that he has these connections with those players like that that has to help they already they like him going into it he likes them just having that chemistry before they even start I think that helps a lot. Um, I think he can be a good coach. It, it's probably going to be a hit or miss. Um, but hopefully it works out. It can work out, I think.
0: What do you feel about uh, – so Kyrie made two statements on Kevin Durant's podcast. One of them was saying that he thinks that this year he will not be the lone, you know, closer on the team. Um, kind of taking – I guess the media's thought it was a shot at LeBron because um, saying like kind of like when he was in Cleveland, he was like really the only, you know, clutch player, I guess. Um media made a big deal about that. Um and then two, he was saying that the coaching uh styles can be more by committee. And like the reason why the media I think got a little anger about that wasn't they didn't get in context. He was complimentary, but he was saying that you know that he kind of sees it almost like how the Warriors do their coaching, like a committee kind of thing. I don't know what you thought about his comments. I don't know if you think the media was just, you know, taking it way out of context. Um, I don't know if you've even read the comments. Just let me know if you what you think about it.
1: Um, yeah, so I think – I don't really like Kyrie as a person, some of the statements he says. Um, and I think he might have been taking shots at LeBron by saying that, honestly. Um, and I don't think it's correct. Uh, I'm a LeBron guy. I think LeBron's really good. Like, that finals when Kyrie went off, like, yeah, that was all him, those shots that he made. Um, but to say LeBron isn't clutch and he can't finish a game, I think is just absurd, like, it's just incorrect. Um that's what I think.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I think also just piggybacking on his statement that, you know, it's going to be a committee coaching. Um, yeah. Even though even though he's complimentary of Steve Nash, from Steve Nash's perspective, I'm not sure you're going to like that too much because, you know, oh, I think yeah, he, yeah. You're, you – go Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: That, that's not how it's – I don't think that's how it's going to be. I mean, if you're a head coach, you make the calls. Like, yeah, you, you get references from your assistant coaches and everyone else kind of gives you some tips, but you make all the decisions when it comes down to it and i'm sure they will he's the head coach they hired him so mm. it's not, i don't think it'll be like that
0: yeah it's a funny stat people are, you know saying how clubs kyrie is but it's interesting in uh in three point in three point percentage in like the quote-unquote crunch time statistic which is you know 5 minutes to go and the the score is between 5 points or less uh, lebron mm. shoots 37% and kyrie shoots 27% and lebron also is i think 20 of 41 in clutch moments, and Kyrie's two of three. Um, 20 of 41, that's a great percentage. That yeah, Yeah. yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I think, look, Kyrie's a great player, and, you know, I think he's going to have a great season. But I, I, I just think that was – if, 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 if I think it was a little shot LeBron, too. I just don't think that was really necessary. Now, look, you know, maybe it slipped up. Maybe he didn't mean it that way. And when he went on Twitter, he was saying that, you know, he didn't want that, – that wasn't what he would say, so. You know, I'm, I'm not going to speculate things, but um, to pivot into another thing to kind of get the last segment, I guess, wrapped up. Um, so my my big problem, and this is with just sports media in terms of how they covered the Clippers, right, and they, how they cover some teams like this. If it's a team that goes against like LeBron's narrative, like LeBron's best play in the league, they always give excuses for the team that's a challenge to LeBron, right? And um, you know they, they did that with the Pacers a little bit. Um, they did that when the Spurs lost um, to LeBron, um, even, you know, the Warriors to an extent, um, the Clippers were, were, in my opinion, like the worst I've seen, you know, every game that they lost in the playoffs, the media always came up with some sort of excuse why they lost. Um, like, you know, Kawhi, you know, wasn't healthy that game. Oh, they didn't have enough guys to this game and all that kind of stuff. And if LeBron lost the game, they'd be like, oh, LeBron, this isn't good. And, um, I don't know how, if you think
1: that's an accurate, uh, portrayal of how they covered the Clippers. Uh, I would definitely agree with that. I think a big reason that they uh, kept making excuses is because going into the season, early in the season, everyone was saying Clippers all the way. Like, I felt that was the case. Um, most people thought Clippers over Lakers. And then when the season goes on and they're incorrect, they're gonna make excuses to try to make themselves sound, sound right. That's what I think it is. And um, just people always try to bring down LeBron Just because they're mad how good he is.
0: Yeah. I think it was also funny how people were just already trying to crown Kawhi after one playoff series the best player in the NBA. Um, I've talked to you about this before in the past. But, look, Kawhi's a great player. And, like, you know, I I don't think people should be, like, you know, dismissing him as one of the top players in the NBA just from, like, one bad playoff series. You know, he has proven to be a really good player in the playoffs before, obviously winning finals MVP in 2019. But – the thing I have to say is, like, you know, in terms of leadership, in terms of getting your players better, and in terms of just, win, like, proven winning over a long period of time, you know, LeBron's been one of the best at that, right? So um, it's not just, like, again, like, why I'm making the same, it's not just about LeBron either. Like, you know, you see, like, you know, guys just go after when, – when Damian Lillard has one bad game in the playoffs, you see, you know, guys going after him for that because they're like, oh, you know, Dame's time, if he's clutch, you know, why isn't he performing against the Lakers? And they're not taking context of how the game works like how the system – like the schemes are working against him. You know, the, the man was getting double teams most of the time on tra- and trapped on ball screens and, you know, picked up at, you know, from full court. I mean, you're not going to score 40 points a game against the Laker defense. It's just that, That's just not going to happen. Um, I don't know if you think that's kind of the thing, too, is that with a, with at least basketball media, you don't really hear them describe how, they, how the defense has worked and how the offense tried to, you know, combat that. They more just say, like, this player is not good, that player is just not good, like a lot of generalities. I don't know if you agree with that.
1: Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with that. They don't like to look deep into things. It's just Damian Lillard's a forty point per game score. That's just how oh.
0: No, absolutely. And I, I think also just like one thing I wanted to bring up too is just um I, I think that what people don't realize about today's generation too is how skilled everyone has got um over the time you know they they just progress their game, right? So Like, you know, like like I think today with all the training, all the nutrition, you know, the access just to like, you know, all this stuff, right? The fact that there's so much more shooting today than there has been in the past, the players are definitely, in my opinion, more skilled today. Um, And I think that's just primarily because now you have to be able to shoot. You have to be able to handle the ball at any position, um, which is why a guy like Bam at Abayo is so effective because he can pass, he can dribble, he can hit mid-range shots. Um, I don't know if you think that's like, like – do you think that's like, like, like a good thing for the league, getting like this expansion of three-point shooting is something that's like really good for the league? Or do you think it's like, you know, it, there's also a, a big downfall to that that needs to be addressed?
1: Um, I think it's – it's overall it's good for the game. Um, leaves more room for players to drive to the hoop, having quick players to drive, you know, do things on their own and pass it out. Um, that speeds up the games. I, I think it's, it's – I think players are better now than they were ten years, no question. Um, I do have to say, I feel maybe um they stress shooting a little bit too much for bigs um i do I still believe you should get your post game and your toughness under the hoop rebounding first before you start learning that other stuff, but um I think it's it's good for the game overall um for sure you're, if you can shoot threes and bang, you're a better player than someone who could just bang most likely. So I think it's good for the game.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think just one thing I wanted to wrap up with too is um, this is a, like a little topic. I was just thinking about in the middle of the podcast, but do you think division one basketball is going to happen? Um, do you think that, cause I, I know like probably division three sports is going to be like tough for it to happen, but with the money involved with, you know, like, for example, you know, let's just say i like Duke basketball. Do you think like, that will actually happen this year because like they need the money, or do you think it's just like they're, they're just gonna be like nah, not gonna happen?
1: I think I think it'll happen. I mean, you see college football playing right now. I don't see why, unless something happens where all the player get players get COVID or something like that. I don't see why there wouldn't be a season. That's my thought. Yeah, and uh,
0: you know, tell the viewers how you uh, you you got so bouncy, man. Tell them how you uh, you know have such a high vertical.
1: Uh, it just helps when my mom was a high jumper and my dad played basketball and that's about it. It's, a lot of it's just natural <laughs> and do some squats. It'll help a little bit too.
0: <laughs> well, I think we're going to wrap it up there, but uh, Caesar, thanks for coming back on, you know, glad to always have a discussion. Um, and yeah, I'll, uh, I'll see you soon. i
1: <laughs> well, talking to you. No. But-